Welcome to the Lowenstein Sandler podcast series. I'm Kevin Iredell, Chief Marketing Officer at Lowenstein Sandler. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast series at lowenstein.com slash podcast, or find us on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Now let's take a listen. Good day, everyone. This is your host, Michael Lichtenstein at Lowenstein Sandler, and welcome to Don't Take No for an Answer, an insurance recovery podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about certain services that insurance companies offer their policyholders for free. So as you all know, if you're frequent listeners, we we often talk about topics that are very substantive or strategic, and sometimes they might feel perhaps a little adversarial as between policyholders and insurance carriers. But today I want to talk about some of the services that you can get in addition to the insurance you buy directly from the carrier uh, with no additional premium. So to talk about that, I, I have my, my friend and colleague and a special guest, uh, Tosh Shal, who's a senior vice president with Willis Towers. I can't talk this morning, folks. Sorry. With Willis Towers Watson. Uh, he's based in Charlotte. Uh, he leads a large team in their corporate risk and brokering practice. And Tosh has been with uh, WTW for 21 years. Very impressive. Tosh's practice focuses on manufacturing and technology clients with international operations. In addition, his team manages a portfolio of professional liability and cyber liability programs, particularly for professional service firms and financial institutions. As you all probably guessed, he's a frequent writer and speaker. I'm sure what you really want to hear is Tosh unlocking all of these goodies that you get along with your premium. So Let's talk about, let's get right into it. Good morning, Tosh. How are you? Hey, good morning, Michael. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. This, what did this take us? Only about five months to get on the calendar. So <laughs> glad to be here. Really glad to have you. So let me just start with sort of a, a basic question that's maybe a tad bit off topic, but I know it's been on our listeners' minds. We keep hearing about a hard market that we're facing in in 2021 and what that's doing to coverage availability and premiums. And can you talk a little bit about what your experience is? What are we now? We're about three quarters of the way through 2021. What are you seeing in the market in terms of capacity and also premiums? Sure. I think that's a great place to start. The buyer's market for commercial insurance uh, remains uh, fairly difficult. Although you know, we are seeing signs uh, that certain lines of business are stabilizing, but I think most of your listeners, you know, the, the corporate buyers are seeing their cyber liability insurance. That's probably the type of policy that they're seeing just incredible changes in terms and conditions and also premiums. It's not unusual to see premiums doubling or tripling from year to year. And that is a direct reflection of what's been going on. Uh, we've seen it in the news uh, with ransomware demands and ransom demands rather, and you know cyber attacks and those other types of things that insurers in the past, frankly, did not anticipate occurring as often. So I think the way in which I would describe the current market is that it is tough that it is not impossible to get a good deal 
And I think once you find the right insurer with the right premium and the right resources, you can partner with them to continue to drive costs down. So that's going to be uh, my objective today is to give you some ideas and quick ideas that you can use that will pay dividends for years down the road. Excellent. And so I've also heard that the coverages that are being provided, we can stick with cyber because I know that's right in your wheelhouse, that those are even narrowing. Either certain things are not covered or they're adding sublimits that are trying to reduce the carrier's overall exposure. Are you seeing that in your practice? Yes, absolutely. On cyber specifically, as you know, ransomware coverage is something that's not only controversial, but also has been hit fairly often on policies. And as I said earlier, I don't think underwriters really expect to have these types of claims happen so often every single year. They may perhaps expect it maybe once every five years, once every 10 years, but it almost seems like over the last 24, 36 months, we see these types of demands from cyber criminals come up on a weekly basis. We are seeing a lot of contraction as well as many underwriters just deciding, hey, we will be glad to offer you cyber liability coverage, but ransomware is off the table. And uh, if you want to retain that coverage, there are certain risk management steps that you have to take. Otherwise, you'll have to go without that insurance. All right. So it's a good segue. Let's talk about some of the insurance company programs that might be available to a policyholder that can help them reduce their costs. And to narrow our focus, we can talk about maybe two or three areas that I can think of. You've got sort of operations. Can they help you save some money there? Legal expense and perhaps compliance. And this all seems to kind of feed right into what you were talking about with regard to cyber. What can you tell our listeners about areas where insurance carriers can help reduce costs in those areas? Well, I think there are two areas that I think we focus on that I think are easy to to access. And perhaps these are things that the listeners may not have had a chance to read through the the 100-page policy to find out where the services are, but they, they are available. So the two examples that I like to give are on the cyber liability policy and then also uh, on your employment practices, a liability policy. So in a standard cyber policy, and I think also because of the current marketplace, underwriters are offering these services because they truly want the policyholder to use them. An example would be to use the pre-appointed preferred vendors if they suffer a cyber attack. So these are vendors that have already been vetted by the insurers and who are obligated by contract to the insurance companies themselves to respond to a policyholder in need. So that is uh, something that is contained in every single cyber policy. You know, the The names of the firms vary, but I think if you want to be in the cyber market, all insurers have to offer that service because it helps both sides, both the policyholder as well as the underwriter. And then the second example I'd like to give is on employment practices, liability policies, which is uh, coverage for things like sexual harassment or discrimination in the workplace. 
all insurers in the segment of the business will offer some type of uh, prepackaged training on their website. Again, these are things that uh, the underwriters want the policyholder to access. These are frankly things that many times the let's say the human resource department may be outsourcing to another vendor and paying for it separately. You know, these are things and examples that, that we have, and there are many others where I think if we just took a deeper dive into the policies themselves, that you can find that these things are already provided for little or no charge at all to the policyholder. In the cyberspace, will carriers also offer a service where they'll sort of take a look at least at 50,000 feet at, you know, the computer systems, the network systems, the security measures that are in place, or even is that part of the underwriting process as they try to evaluate the risk and, and determine how much, you know, capacity they're prepared or, you know, what limits they're prepared to offer and at what price do they offer some help? I mean, some companies are very sophisticated. They have large IT departments and they probably don't need it. But a lot of middle market companies who might have one internal IT person, you know, that it can be overwhelming to try and make sure that the systems are running the way they should, but are also adequately protected from cyber criminals and, and the like. Are any of those services available to policyholders from insurance companies? Yes, those services are available. And I think because of the sophistication of the cyber market, there are many things that are being done to help evaluate the risk from the underwriter's standpoint that I always try to ask for the results and share those with a policyholder. I'll give you an example. When you apply for cyber liability coverage, you obviously need to fill out an extended application. There's no way to sugarcoat it. It's very daunting. You have to really get the IT director to fill it out. It's 10 pages and it asks a lot of very specific security questions as well as software and compliance protocol types of inquiries. And in addition to that, I think as part of the, the process when you're applying for the cyber coverage, and I think for the most part, other types of insurance, it's a good way for you to check on how the company is doing itself and managing the risk. So to give an example, you know, when you apply for automobile insurance, they check your motor vehicle report to see you know, whether you are a good risk or not. When you're applying for a credit card, they check your credit report. So now when you're applying for cyber liability insurance, they actually can do, they meaning the underwriters, can actually do an external scan on the vulnerability of this company. So what they would do, and I don't know the exact technical process of doing so, but they can actually go to your website and uh, look at things uh, that they see are exposures for the company, and they can suggest improvements. And they actually kind of build that in as part of the insurance offering. And I think using that data really helps kind of build the moat around the company to protect it from any of these types of cyber attacks. And if the attack does happen, then at least you have also a good insurance policy to back that up. What it sounds like is that they sort of do a bit of a vulnerability scan. <laughs> to see if they can identify easily correctable areas yes. of vulnerabilities. 
So I'll put my cynical hat on for a second, right? Because I think most of our, our listeners, many of whom I think are policyholder side, would say, wait a second, all these services that these insurance companies are offering, somehow they're really supposed to benefit them, not me, right? So, you know, my view from what I'm hearing, it sounds like pretty much benefits both. But what's your take on that? Do you see any downside or any, you know, inside baseball here? where the carrier is asking you to use their training or asking you to use their pre-approved vendors because they think that somehow that gives them some advantage either in the claim process or what have you. What, what do you think about that? I think, it, honestly, it benefits both. I think the only drawback, if there is one, of using the underwriter's services is that if you... Again, going back to the cyber example, if this is the first time that you've had a, let's say, an outside audit of your security measures and your vulnerability, you may want to consider using a, another vendor because if you were to use the insurance company's own approved list, then there is a chance that the information, whether it's good or bad, will have to be revealed to the insurance company. So to me, that would be the only downside of it. But again, I think when we go through the process of applying for the insurance, you want to know about what the holes are and what the issues so that you can actually address them. And I think the industry itself is doing a good job incentivizing the policyholders to use these types of services and not hold it against them. So you know, to, to give you an example, if you have been in the market for cyber liability recently, you know the issue of a multifaceted authentication MFA process is the number one question that's being asked by underwriters. So that is a conversation stopper. If you don't have it, then you're not going to get cyber insurance. That would be an example of where you can just say, hey, this is the minimum level of security or risk management that I need to do to not only run my business, but also to, to get insurance and also to a certain extent to make sure that you are a, an attractive business partner to your customers and you know, other types of companies that you, uh, you do business with. So I think you know, the benefits are to the insurer, but I think the advantages to the policyholder thinking about even beyond the insurance application process, just enterprise-wise for the business itself will really outweigh those uh, types of concerns. And I'll, I'll add, as, as our listeners know, uh, since I represent only policyholders, you know, the issue of what vendors you would use post-attack for what services is the kind of thing you would want to discuss either with your in-house counsel or outside counsel, because there are issues beyond coverage that you might well be facing, you know, depending on the type of attack and what information may or may not have been accessed, you may be looking at third-party liability. And then, you know, you have issues of who you're hiring to do what and, and how well you can protect the information that they generate from discovery and future litigation and, and the like. So I don't want to go deep down that rabbit hole. Again, my listeners have heard me talk about this ad nauseum, but I just want to put that sort of footnote in. One last question, Tosh. So some folks, again, cynically might say all the services that they're offering are actually just being built into their premiums. So, you know, you really get nothing for free. 
Is there any way to sort of quantify or when you're when you're comparing coverage profiles or, or policies being offered by different carriers to try and see whether or not, you know, the services that are being offered are actually sort of built into the premium or whether they're increasing the premium <laughs> and then telling you that, you know, you're getting this stuff for free, but you've really paid in, in an increased premium? Michael, that, that's a great question. And I get asked that question all the time. I would say for the very large clients, uh, such as the Fortune 500, Fortune 1000, the policyholder will have control over what is built into the premium because everything is a la carte. Uh, If you're a very large company and you need a thousand hours of training, you obviously need to pay for that. You can't just squeeze that in into the the premium. However, for the, the majority of the middle market or the smaller business policyholders, these types of services are either use it or or lose it. It's built in. Uh, Again, it's something that is part of the fixed cost of the insurance company to be in the business. And uh, frankly, it's part of their competitive offering that they have to provide. You know, the best way to quantify it is to just get an idea of what, you know, the example I gave earlier is see what your other business units and the company are spending on training or operational risk assessment and see if those things are available through the insurance company. So, for example, ask the HR team, what are their training needs? Are there any of those that we can get from the insurance company that's already built in? Then we can also ask the IT team, are there certain areas that they are struggling with to, let's say, contain the cost? of you know, security monitoring or any other types of resources that they're having trouble accessing. I think if you take the approach that the insurance company access them, use them, and not just think about them as being, hey, they're the ones that will cut the check at the end of the day, which they obviously, that's a major part of the reason why you do business with them. You know, have them be embedded as part of how you run your business and I guarantee you that you, you'll find a lot of savings, not only in the insurance premiums, but also on the costs that would otherwise just be hidden in the budgets of your other uh, business units. All right. Well, we're going to leave it there. You heard it here first. Tosh guarantees cost savings if you know where to look for them. And of course, this will be the softball for Tosh. What increases your chance of finding them? You have a qualified broker who specializes in the area of insurance that you're looking to buy. And as you can tell from Tasha's answers to my questions, he certainly is in that category. So Tasha, any last words for the listeners before we sign off? No, I just look forward to, if anybody has any questions, please feel free to contact us. But again, uh, it is a a difficult buyer's market out there, but with some creativity and uh, you know, with the understanding of what's available, you can still have a really good and successful renewal program if you uh, stick to uh, some of these ideas that we s- spoke about today. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for joining us. And for our listeners, that's it for today. And we look forward to seeing you, hearing you on a future podcast episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Please subscribe to our podcast series at lowenstein.com slash podcasts, or find us on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Lowenstein Sandler podcast series is presented by Lowenstein Sandler.
and cannot be copied or rebroadcast without consent. The information provided is intended for a general audience and is not legal advice or a substitute for the advice of counsel. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. The content reflects the personal views and opinions of the participants. No attorney-client relationship is being created by this podcast and all rights are reserved.